0: So who else has been spending far too much time keeping up with the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial? this Month, anyone? No, just me. Okay, good. If you haven't been following this case because you value your time, you may be blissfully unaware of the absolute dumpster fire that is forensic psychology. And if that's you, I'm here to ruin your day. You're welcome. And once again, get you just as mad as me in defense of mental health. For the last few weeks, the highly publicized defamation trial between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard has been playing out before the eyes of millions. The core of the trial is this. Johnny is suing Amber for defamation, basically you said mean things about me that hurt my career, after she released an op-ed claiming she was abused by her partner two years ago, which everyone understood to be Johnny since he was her partner during that timeframe. And she is counter-suing him back, stating she is suffering from PTSD related to intimate partner abuse from Johnny and that his statements saying that she is lying have hurt her career. During this trial, both sides have been using mental health and substance addiction as weapons against the other team. And I've been introduced to the world of forensic psychiatry through all of this. And I hate it. I hate it so much. I have spent years working as a primary care nurse practitioner and have seen over and over how stigmatized mental health can be. And I feel like the publicity from this trial that focuses on those things, it, it just lights a fire on that stigma. And using mental health as a weapon in a trial is disgusting. I understand it's common practice, they do this all the time in law, but I hate it and it's gross. So we're gonna talk about it. And when I roll the world, it will be different. If anyone knows how to fix this, let me know. But since I can't fix it yet, today I'm hoping to just clear the air and give some clarity to some of the things going on with the forensic psych evaluations, if you've seen the trial. And for total transparency, I am not a specialized mental health specialized provider, but I have worked in primary care for years in a system that is woefully under-resourced when it comes to mental health. So I've seen a lot of it. I also have a lot of it, which means I have a lot of opinions. Let's rage against the nastiness that is forensic psychology together. Ready? One, two, three, go. So if you're anything like me, you may be wondering, um, hello, have you never heard of HIPAA? <laughs> like any kind of provider patient privilege? How did this even happen? How was mental health, specifically Amber's mental health and Johnny's substance use even brought up in a trial? As we'll see in clips in this video, Amber underwent forensic psychological evaluation, which is where I have my first beef with the court of law. The fact that a court can order a psychological evaluation on someone and then project it to the rest of the court, that is really yucky. That is super personal and I hate it. Why Liz, why do you hate it so much? You might ask. Because at its core, a psych evaluation provides a mental health diagnosis. And that mental health diagnosis, one, it's just very personal and invasive and you're letting literally everyone know it. But I also hate that it's creating a link between certain disorders and then actions that are taken by people suffering from those disorders on a very public stage where it can then be publicized. And then it plays out in trial like this. Hey, this person has this. And did you know people who are diagnosed with this typically act like this. And what usually happens is the people being, bringing the case, usually have a mental health expert diagnosing the opposing person with a bad mental health disorder, as if there are bad mental health disorders and then okay ones. Do you see how we get into a whole train right here? Typical examples of things that are seen as like a negative mental health diagnosis are borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. They mentioned histrionic here. That one's actually old, but... We'll use it sometimes because they mention it. And then the person defending themselves in the trial will typically try to say, no, 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 I don't have that bad diagnosis. I have something that evokes more pity from a jury and an audience, something like PTSD. Now, objectively, there are no bad diagnoses, but that is not how the real world works. The real world does file it into good and bad diagnoses. And this just further stigmatizes and manipulates and leads into that when we literally use it in trial. In fact, during the trial, I was a guest on the channel Legal Bites, and one of the common questions in the chat that I was seeing was, if she has borderline personality disorder, shouldn't she have her baby taken away? Which really just illustrates the morality associated with certain diagnoses. Many people with borderline personality disorder are amazing parents. Many with it are awful parents. Many people without BPD are awful parents. There is huge bias here because there is such a mental health stigma and forensic psychiatry, it's not helping that. So now that we've kind of got the basics in the background, let's break down each side's argument to point out areas I think we can be more understanding on and to just become more compassionate and informed humans on mental health. During the trial, the forensic psychologist presented the information like A plus B equals C, interview the individual at hand, plus do some tests, magically align those with the narratives of the people that are paying them to be there. (laughs) So simple, right? And um, bam, you have a diagnosis that goes along with your case but it's so much more complicated than that. Also, I wanna be very, very clear. This video is not meant to diagnose anything. The only reason I'm discussing specific disorders is because they are specifically mentioned in the trial. Whether or not anyone in the case is actually suffering from any kind of a disorder is not for us as lay people to diagnose. And please be kind in the comments and remember that no matter who you support in the case, there are two very, very hurt people at the center of it. with their private lives being displayed for everyone to see, and they deserve our compassion as human beings. That being said, let's look at what has been trending across the YouTube and the interwebs for the past few weeks. Amber Heard's alleged mental health disorders, which first up, pause, let's just, let's just take a moment that that's a problem right there. Someone's mental health should never be trending news, right? That just seems disgusting. But we've seen it time and time again with celebrities because it gets clicks and views. And it's disgusting because mental health is already such a struggle. And then we have it blasted across the news because it was blasted open in this trial for people to comment on. And it's just, it's just gross. But. That's a video for another day more than likely. I actually, I am having a video coming out on, I have opinions. If you want to like shameless plug for, if you're a member, you get access to those videos where I'm going to be saying more about like my just personal opinions on the trial, who I think is right, who's wrong. Um, But that's going to be over there. So let's start with kind of the approach that everyone had on Amber's mental health, right? The forensic psychologist that Donnie Depp's team used to evaluate Amber, her name is Dr. Curry. She is a forensic psychologist. If you are like me and this is the first time you are hearing the words forensic psychologist, it's essentially someone who does these mental health assessments for the purpose of having them be in court, right? And I hate that this exists. I hate it so much. That being said, um, of the two expert witnesses, I do think Dr. Um, Shannon Curry did a better job as a clinician, which also may just be because her speaking was much more organized and less harsh. Um, She kind of like directed the conversation really well. And she just seemed a little less angry than her opponent, even though I guess they're not technically opponents because they're not really fighting, except they did fight a lot. Anyway, although she did publicly diagnose Amber with two previously mentioned personality disorders, borderline and histrionic, and then testified that Amber was not a good candidate for PTSD, um, she kept her diagnoses very clinical. She used appropriate language um, that was really non gendered. That's going to be a whole nother video about the importance of gender and language. And she didn't place blame on either Amber or Johnny. She didn't try to claim that any of Amber's supposed diagnoses came from abuse or, um, you know, that were genetic. Hisham says that was outside the scope of this evaluation. It was during Dr. Curry's cross-examination where things got a little bit worse. Unfortunately, there are preconceived notions about mental health and who can have what disorder. For example, it wasn't until relatively recently that women were even really diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder at nearly the rates that we see now because it was thought to be a male disease. This gendered stigma is brought into this case when the defense argues that Amber, rather than having borderline personality disorder, was simply tagged with it because she's a woman and it's easier to diagnose women with BPD. They purposefully cherry pick the data in the way that almost invalidates a BPD diagnosis for women in general, and it's yucky. That a disproportionate number of women are tagged with a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder No, that's not quite right. The defense argues that it's a coincidence that Dr. Curry saw symptoms that coincide with a personality disorder after Johnny had said that Amber had an undiagnosed borderline personality disorder earlier in their relationship. So it's a coincidence that you now think she has those attributes after the attorneys listed it in February 2021 before you looked at anything. And Mr. Depp had made that accusation to Miss Heard years earlier. In fact, I found this incredibly difficult to watch throughout the whole trial. It appears that you can find an expert witness to agree with literally any point you have. So what literally is the point? I'm gonna um, mark law school off of my potential other careers I could go into because I cannot handle that foolishness. I did. Not realize before this how manipulated <laughs> you could get people to be and go up on. The, you can pay anyone to go up on a stand and literally say anyone thing, and you can be like, oh yeah, I found this witness to say these things. And I realized that just it means nothing, which is sad. Anyway, while Dr. Curry did publicly diagnose Amber, something I don't necessarily agree with, since diagnoses like that take like much more time and a longer relationship with a patient rather than a, a you know day long interview. You need that slow trust and them to really open up, but. Overall, with Dr. Curry, I thought she did a, like a slightly better job. She said, "Hey, I have to think she has these diagnoses, but I'm not going to go into the X, Y, and Z of why. I think she has it because it's been a fairly short amount of time." This is in sharp contrast to Dr. Don Hughes, the expert witness for the defense, Amber's team, who also gave clinical diagnoses during the trial, but she also went a step further and claimed that what the root cause of the diagnosis was, which just seems grossly inappropriate given what she was called to do um, and how short the evaluation at time was in this trial. All right, so what do we think, group? Do we think that Dr. Hughes found the same thing as Dr. Curry when she did her evaluation? I diagnosed uh, Miss Heard with post-traumatic stress disorder. Of course she didn't. Dr. Hughes found that Amber did meet the criteria for PTSD and did not have any personality disorders. Yeah, which again is wildly convenient as this is what the defense, the people paying her um, was also claiming in their countersuit was she had PTSD. Dr. Hughes really outdid herself though and claimed that PTSD was caused by intimate partner abuse and that she suffered further trauma from statements Johnny had made, as you see here very clear psychological and traumatic effects or the exacerbation of trauma from those statements that Mr. Depp made through his attorney. There were three statements um, that we evaluated to see how they affected her emotionally and psychologically. And it was in my determination that they did. And it is here that we start to see an irresponsible clinician using mental health as a weapon. She has moved beyond the scope of diagnosis and moved into a dangerous speculation territory with only one side of the story to listen to. Um, and she didn't listen to Johnny. And she avoided looking at the notes of the clinicians who had seen both Johnny and Amber and had different opinions. She also relied heavily on Amber's therapist notes, which as Dr. Curry stated previously, can be biased as a therapist, um, is an advocate for their own patient and takes them at their word rather than a forensic evaluator who is looking at data-driven facts. Supposedly, and let me just say that as a therapist, taking their patient or client at their word is not a bad thing. That's literally the point of therapy. Be an advocate for your patient in their mental health, please. We need more people to be an advocate for patients in their mental health where they're at. Um, very few people actually do this and they have few resources here. So please do that. But also it's completely inappropriate that we then pull those notes into something that people can access for a trial diagnosis aside. And regardless of who you believe this is all super dangerous and problematic because on each side, someone is relying on a stereotype or a stigma surrounding a diagnosis to prove a point to the jury. Either Amber is a dangerous, manipulative, narcissistic person who will rely on verbal and physical abuse to keep her life the way she wants it, or she's an innocent victim of traumatic abuse who reacted and lashed out purely out of fear. Both could be true or neither could be true, but that's not what this is about. The problem is this whole drama is causing more stigma to build on an already highly stigmatized diagnosis such as borderline personality disorder. Everyone with a personality disorder is not dangerous or prone to violence. Similarly, not everyone with PTSD is going to experience reactive violence or be completely unable to function. And this stigma doesn't just exist in court. It exists in everyday life for so many people. If there's any point I want to make today, and um, this is really the point I wanna drive home. A few ways that I saw stigma Around these diagnoses playing out in my role as a provider, I think is what tipped me off to this and what made me so upset about it. So let's, I'm gonna talk about it for a second. I cannot even begin to count the number of times I have had patients, both inpatient and outpatient, be given a quick diagnosis of borderline personality disorder whenever they challenged authority, whenever they questioned things, or just in general became a difficult patient. When this label is applied, I have seen them be blown off. You see it in their chart, borderline personality disorder, and they're like, oh, everything they say is a lie. Not all the time, but I've seen it happen a lot. I have seen their pain and their concerns be ignored. I have seen their mental health diagnosis be used against them because they're now seen as manipulative, a person who is clearly not telling the truth, and now now you're drug seeking, now you're not this. Blanket statements are made about people with this diagnosis all the time in healthcare, and it's not okay. I have had patients with borderline personality disorder uh lose divorce settlements this is more in primary care and lose custody of their children because their partner used their mental health against them saying and saying, Oh, they have borderline personality disorder. This isn't safe. You know, this X, Y, and Z happened when I know for a fact that that person was not deserving of that action. Were they perfect? No, but did they deserve that? And was it held against them? Absolutely. I have spent hours trying to find a psychologist who would be willing to take my patients with borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder as clients to get the help they very much needed because everywhere they tried to seek treatment, they were told after starting, either you're too difficult or you'll just manipulate me. And they would be denied treatment or discharged from practices for the symptoms of the diagnosis that they were trying to get help with. Stigma surrounding mental health is real and using it as a weapon in court isn't helping that. Now that was kind of more a uh, borderline personality personality disorders, we'll say. Now let's take a quick look at Johnny's substance use disorder and that was how how it was used against him. I would say that even prior to this trial, it's been common knowledge for a long time that Johnny Depp has dabbled in substances and had substance use troubles throughout his whole life, both with recreational drugs, alcohol, and prescription drugs. Um, again, why we feel the need to make this such a big deal in public and like publicize struggles like this about people's mental health conditions is beyond me, but as with Amber's mental health journey, Johnny's substance use is also being used as (laughs) you got it, a weapon of the defense with the primary marketing being people who have poly substance use disorder are unreliable, volatile, and dangerous, and it's affected his memory. So he can't remember. And you know, that's how this whole thing started. Um, let's take a few look at examples from this trial where this kind of plays out. So a lot of the times when he's physically violent is when he's been consuming drugs or alcohol. So although Dr. Hughes, the one on Amber's team, claims that Johnny was still abusive without the alcohol and drugs, she does claim that they are making the violence worse. And this entire thing has been a running theme throughout much of the trial, and unfortunately it doesn't end with that. During Amber's cross-examination, Amber said that she could never trust what Johnny said because in he's an addict and addicts lie. You knew Mr. Dath had a scheduled business meeting or a money meeting that evening, right? No, I knew he said he did. I didn't know if he had one. Addicts lie all the time. This, again, perpetuates a stigma against people who do struggle with addiction because these claims are aimed at someone who is being portrayed as angry and abusive. The message here is anyone who struggles with alcohol and drug addiction is a bad person. Is it true that substance use disorders can make memory unreliable, make more people, make people more volatile and potentially make them violent and dangerous? Of course it is. The research clearly will back that up, but it's not an always thing. And the issue here is that they're treating it like it's an always thing. Johnny Depp struggles with this, meaning he is abusive and violent and volatile. They're using his mental health diagnosis of addiction as a weapon, further demonizing addiction, which is already so incredibly demonized and misunderstood in the public. Except um, I did find it interesting that the Amber Heard's defense, um, (laughs) they used people who do a lot of drugs as like angry, volatile, all these things, um, very hardcore. Except um, Amber also has in the trial, it came out has done some pretty serious drugs, but she's a woman victim. So for her, it's a coping mechanism and an outcome of abuse, not, something that is actually making her violent. What are the psychological and traumatic effects that such interpersonal violence has on victims? We see substance abuse and substance abuse disorders, a whole host of um, difficult psychological consequences having sustained uh, a relationship of intimate partner violence. You can't argue it both ways, lady, okay? Pick which one. Also, um, can we just take a moment to discuss how casually everyone on the stand chatted about their drug use? Like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard literally had drooling drugs on their wedding reception schedule. Like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna dance. We're gonna have the whole thing. We're gonna cut the cake and then do drugs. I was like, what on earth? I am almost positive we do not live on the same planet as humans, as these people. Anyway, that's forensic psychology and how it turned mental health into a weapon in the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case. And um, I hate it a whole lot. And those are my thoughts on that. I am curious to hear your thoughts about it in the comment section below. And I encourage you to treat all the humans out there with immense kindness and respect because you never know what struggles they are facing on the inside. And if you are struggling with your own mental health, please, please know that you are more than your diagnosis. Your diagnosis does not define you. Your diagnosis is also very valid as are your feelings and you are going to be okay. Thank you so, so much for spending some of your precious time with me today, listening to me rant about this. Remember that no matter what it feels like, you are not alone you are enough and you can do hard things. Until next time, friends.